Little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Hope you all had a fantastic week and you are gearing up for the holiday season. We are joined by Gatto, who has been gone for the last couple of weeks because he has been coaching up Tommy DeVito. Gatto, tell us everything you did to get his mind right before he played against the Packers this Monday. Well, it starts... Was that you in the suit? In the hat? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> that was me. Um, no, that's 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 his agent. I think it's Stan Stiletto or Stalato. Stellano, I think. Yeah, Stellano. Um, no, but I, I, I did. I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to go to this past Monday night football game. It was a great game. Um, I, I couldn't have asked for a better game. Honestly, uh, it it has to be the best win of the season for the Giants. The other ones were kind of snoozers, um, and. For the first time, I think this whole season, Giants fans have like some something positive going on. I don't know, like it's it's an infectious demeanor coming, like positivity that has run so. Like the adversity that we've had this year is just wild, man. Like it's also counter to what a lot of people want to have happen with the Giants too, because there is a pretty big pop, like population or demographic within giants fandom that don't want the giants yeah. to do well for the rest of the season because they want to be in the top five or top four in the draft. And Tommy DeVito has kind of thrown a wrench into the entire system right now where they're on a pretty impressive winning streak and he has played well. Um, and they just beat the Packers at home. Is it too bold to say that the Giants could potentially, if they play good for the, if they play well enough for the rest of the year, can they put something together to put them back into the playoff hunt as a wild card team? So right now they're technically they're lurking, right? They're uh, they're at the very bottom of the race. They're five and six, right? Is that the they're number? Five, five and eight. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, they right here, right now, they could turn it around and depending on how the rest of the season plays out, they're somewhere where if they win the next uh I think it's what, uh four out of five games mm -hmm. to finish off the year, they could potentially backslide in. I don't I don't think it I don't think this is the team that has that caliber. I mean, I'm a realist, right? Um and I'm loving that we're just having this fun right now. Um I'm also not one of those we need to tank 
individuals for this team. As much as in the very beginning when we were god awful, I was looking for something, you know, a win somewhere, and that was the thought of having, you know, um, a top top one or two draft pick. Now that that dream is kind of faded, I think uh, there was mention where we're somewhere at at ninth. But granted, the people in front of us are also winning right now. This past weekend, they all won too. So uh, it's it's not as big of a hurt at the moment, I think. Um, and the other thing is, Giants fans they have to embrace the Shane and and see what he does. He has made some good moves for us already. Or at least they were positively received moves. I don't know. Uh, you know, history will one day tell us whether or not the Darren Waller move was was good. It seems like it might have been good, and we'll get into the uh, the offloading that that trade had and the consequences it had for Kansas City a little bit later. Um, but I don't know. I, I, okay, so as a, did you watch that game? I watched parts of it. Parts of it. What was your take on the game um, in general? Was there, did you feel like it was more of Green Bay was just unable to get things going or what was your reaction? Yeah, I mean, I know that Green Bay has been on a bit of a a hot streak and Jordan Love has played well, but I'm going to be honest, like there's something about MetLife that I feel like this is the time of the year where that becomes like a really hard place to play. And mm. it's not like the fans are wild or anything like that, but even the old giant stadium had the same issue where, where they are in New Jersey is in a very flat location. And I mean, even just watching it and talking to you through discord, I can tell it was like one of those cold, wet, windy, northeastern style evenings where you don't want to do fucking anything outside. And those are hard games to play in, especially, too, when you're playing on a a rock-hard surface and the giant... Like, I know the Packers, they play in Green Bay, and that shit's fantastic for them. But there is nothing worse than being cold and wet and in the wind. And I feel like that plays more in Giants, in MetLife than anywhere else. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because one of the things definitely notice is, um, you know, as, as it gets colder, it doesn't, you know, like moisture kind of goes away. It, or it yeah, it becomes drier, right? Yeah. Yeah, it... it it doesn't have that effect there because I think you're you're in an area where you're so low to uh, sea level that yeah you know you're 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 in a swamp basically and the it's salt it's a salt swamp right a salt water swamp so it doesn't actually freeze over so there's just moisture always in the air and uh, that dampness does kind of get into your bones when when you're cold you know when um when the there's bad conditions and uh the past weekend it was terrible it was absolutely it, it rained it was cold it was nasty i it's mean raining a lot whole, too yeah the whole e- like eastern seaboard was aboard was fucking terrible the entire weekend yeah so that was like my first impression too and you know i've i've i know the packers were on a bit of a run 
and people thought that like they could win out for the rest of the year. But this is still like the Packers team that struggled at the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. and is still trying to figure it out. Like Jordan Love is playing really well, but he is still susceptible to kind of a stinker game every now and again. They haven't really had a whole lot of continuity on offense until recently. And a counter to that too, is like the giants are still a team that went to the playoffs last year. Like there's not enough on that team (laughs) that has, there's not enough on that team that has changed when it comes to defense and offense per se. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to Brian Dayball and the rest of the coaching staff and the players for really just like, Burning around a shit season. I mean, even if they don't make the playoffs and they finish with a losing it, record, I think saying like, hey, we didn't give up and we kept fighting, one, keeps Dayball in his role. And then mm-hmm. two, ensures people like those are this kind of seasons that happen, right? Like we've mm-hmm. seen these happen so many times, Scott, where a team is down bad at the beginning of the year and they end up winning like seven games. I feel like they, the Steelers yeah. do that every year. Yeah. They're, they and- and that's kind of things like uh, I think it's there's a little bit of writing the ship going on right now, even though making do with what you got. There's there's one thing to be said. I think this year it, a lot of teams are injured and beaten up pretty bad right now. And uh, I think that's playing into a Giants team that had suffered some early injuries and they're getting back on their feet now um, ahead of other teams that are now kind of feeling the 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 burn of of you know, the lack of healthy players or top, top players on the team. The, the other thing day like Dable did. And I think this is, he's, he's giving the fans what they want right now. Mm-hmm. The fans wanted, there was a, there was a certain point in the game early on in the first half where the giants had scored the first touchdown. They were, they were driving a little bit. They were, they were still doing a lot of good things offensively. And it was fourth and one, and the punt team came on, and booze just rung out from from the stands. And Dable actually called a timeout to send back out the offensive unit. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. But in my opinion, the fans were were so happy that we went. You know that he decided trust the fans, go out, trust the team seeing that there was that type of um i don't know connection cohesion uh, with with everybody in that moment there was there was an uplifting it was kind of uplifting it was it was a very positive thing even even despite the fact that it ended up being a turnover yeah um and then the the giants defense played amazing they really they did a great job of staying with their responsibilities um on the plays there was that that uh kind of flea flicker not flea flicker it was kind of like a reverse into a a a pass Mm -hmm. situation it was like it was some weird trickery and jordan love really thought he had you know he had the giants defense on that they didn't bite and it ended up being a huge loss for them um that was i think a big turning moment uh that might have even been when cave got his sack cave stepping up. He's playing good football. He had a, he had a tweet today. Cause people are, I don't know. He, he, he made a very good point about the narrative around him of like, um, you know, he's not, he, he, he said, he's not a victim. Um, he's, 
and this is not like him getting right. It's him just playing good football and that's all it is. And he's just having a solid year and doing all the right things. And that's where he is right now. And that's all it is. And I, I thought it was a very insightful thing to be said, to be honest, because I think we're all looking for these like storylines about why there was so much dysfunction on this team. And there's a lot of things we're just overlooking because of the record. Yeah. I think too, like defensive ends and defensive linemen like Kayvon Thibodeau get shelled early in their careers as being busts or not being able to play at this level. You know who he reminds me of? Mario Williams. Hmm. And he Good was Fred. the number three or number two. No, he was the number one pick in the draft, right? And mm-hmm. so he was the number one pick in the 2005 draft. And everyone was said like, oh, this guy can't play because he only had like five sacks in his first year. And you could see him starting to grow into that role. Like playing defense in the NFL takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes time to learn it. It takes time to grow into your body. He's only He was 21 when he got into the league. And understanding all of those pieces, the mental component, but also the training side of it as well. I mean, if you want a guy who has shown that he has grown going from four sacks to 11 and a half, three forced fumbles. I mean, he's almost matched his total tackles from last year and he's played one less game. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's there. Like Mm -hmm. this is a guy that you want to build a defense around now. Again, like I, I would agree with you. I think they probably got railroaded in the beginning of the year. I don't think we've, we've talked about it ad nauseum. Like Daniel Jones yeah. has not been able to be the one that they wanted him to be. And guys on defense suffer because when you're three and out every single time when the offense is on the field or it's a turnover, like these guys are asked to do a lot. And when you play mm-hmm. overly aggressive, you start to make mistakes, mental mistakes, like positional mistakes, technique mistakes. And, you know, they didn't like it wasn't like a defensive masterclass by any sense. Like it wasn't a shutdown game, but you got intercept. You got an interception when you needed it. You got sacks when you needed it. And you're able to hold a team that has been on a roll for a while to at least a place where it was a field. It was a one score game at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it And. I mean, retrospectively, if I have to give a full breakdown of it, you know, I, I think you're right on the money here, Tom. And and that's the one thing was the lot. There wasn't a lion's share of just the defense having to hold its own. The offense was out there in equal equal force. Um, granted, what I saw was that it was basically running a high school playbook. Yep, it was a lot of sweep heavy runs, bootlegs, things that y- you would see just with like an added extra motion or something i mean you know we're we weren't asking you know tommy to be out there and make calls you know on the on on the fly or anything like that but when he got in there and he was actually playing the game and he was able to focus in on making smart decisions on where to put the ball he did a good job i mean it was in the very beginning of the game i'm i don't think i saw him throw anything more than uh you know 15 yards but towards the end of the game, um, he started really striking and feeling comfortable and in his own in that game. And there's uh, it. 
there's something to be said about like a guy who's coming in and he, you know, he doesn't, there's nothing for him to lose. You know, it's like you shoot your shot, right. And you make it, you make it. If you don't, Hey, no one expected this much from you to begin with, you know? So uh, I, I think he sees it in that positive perspective and it's, and it was uh pretty good. I mean, the, the one thing I will say is that special teams unit uh, just terrible absolutely terrible what was they looked really bad really sloppy um the like butt muff <laughs> i don't know what yeah. you want to call it that i like uh the foresight to not like i, I who's the uh who's the is it schultzky who is that guy no i always forget his name back there the returner um for the giants uh cager or mclean mccain bobby mccain return guys uh, yeah the return yeah uh who's been returning for us so of the there was one kick return that was lawrence cager and then punt returns there was one with bobby mccain so um one of them didn't do their job in telling uh you know the the rest of the team hey you like the balls it's poison right like i'm not yeah. i'm not coming after this ball get out of the way get away and uh it really became a costly error there i mean there was a few i mean the giants actually kind of made this game a lot closer than i think it needed to be because they were finding ways to shut down green bay early and often until the very end of that game um it, like they were driving and there was the Saquon fumble. And I think we'll have to maybe tabletop that for a little bit, but um, it it was just, there were these moments where it was like, Oh, we're going to turn the corner and this is, this game's not going to be that close. And um, you know, something would come up like that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it was, it was kind of interesting. Yeah. I wanted to get back to Tommy DeVito a little bit because um I've seen him play a, a number of years in college football as a Syracuse fan. He was a former Syracuse quarterback who was there and his biggest issue while he was there was aside from the fact he was probably there during the worst stretch of Syracuse football in the last like 15 years or so where they just could not get their shit together. Um, his biggest knock was he took way too many sacks and Granted, the coaching wasn't there. The offensive line play was not there, but he would just take brutal hits and, you know, it would lead to interceptions. It would lead to him trying to be overly aggressive. Um, and what was never really fully utilized while he was at Syracuse was the ability for him to run around and make some plays with his legs. And I just remember watching a game where it was Syracuse. I think it was in 2019 season where SU was playing North Carolina state in Raleigh and DeVito was just getting destroyed in that game. And I think he came out because he was hurt after that. Um, and so he leaves, goes to Illinois under Brett Bielema. He has a better year mm -hmm. and he, sh and he was a four-star recruit too, coming out of high school. And seeing him leave Syracuse, go to Illinois, play well, not get drafted. I know a lot of people have made that whole thing of like, oh, he didn't pick the commanders to 
sign with like, all right, well, he's from fucking New Jersey. Like, why wouldn't you stay in New Jersey and play for the Giants? Mm-hmm. Um, he is playing a level of football now that we really hoped he would when he played at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Didn't take any sacks in that game last night, made plays with his legs. And you said they're playing a bit of a high school offense. Like, yeah, I think the talent right now dictates that. Like, and you know, it's totally fine to play like this because this is the time of the year where the weather gets shitty. You don't want to be throwing the ball around a ton mm-hmm. because it's cold, it's wet. Guys are not going to be able to catch it. And honestly, the guys that are catching passes for the Giants right now are not exactly an all-star group. But he's so done was... what he needs to do to help them win games. Yeah, and and that's the other thing is I think Tommy DeVito right now is doing a service to the rest of that team because Wandale had an amazing game, and we got to see some of those things that we were hoping from him before he got injured, obviously. And the fact that, like, he's finally getting back up to full speed. Um, he had a hell of a day. And Saquon, you know, this is normally the time of year that he starts to slow down a bit. And he played phenomenal. I don't think he's actually getting enough credit for what he did during that game. Um, he's he's having a really good season. He's one of yeah. the few things that have been really dependable on this team. And, um, you know, it. I'm glad that he's here now, and I it kind of makes me think, hey, I think we're being a little hard on him. We might want to think about you know keeping him around for a couple more years at this point because he looks good. He really does. Yeah, I mean, he had a solid game, and I mean, he contributes to that team in so many different ways, and mm-hmm. you would hope that once he – once you go into the offseason, this team can – figure out like, what are they going to do at quarterback? Are you going to be in position to draft a quarterback? Now there's that whole like set of the population, Washington fans included. They're like, we should tank and, you know, try for a top three or top four pick. I think there's also plenty of evidence out there that shows that tanking will not guarantee you a good quarterback because a guy who won an MVP, um, plays really, really good football on a team currently in the playoff hunt was Lamar Jackson, and he was the Mm. 32nd pick in the draft. I mean, uh, someone brought up to Dable the other day in um, post-practice, you know, interview or whatever, um, a a presser. He he started talking about, (laughs) you know, they picked Tom Brady at 199. Yeah, yeah. I think that's he was alluding to that point. Dable shut it down right away. I appreciate that he did that, too, for a couple of reasons. One, it's fucking four games or five games or however many DeVito has played. And and then, two, it puts a lot of unnecessary pressure on DeVito to have to play to that caliber. Like, Tom Brady wasn't Tom Brady until probably 2008. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and and you're – but, like, the, the thing is, it's like it doesn't I mean, look at look at right now, Bryce Young, right? The Panthers are just tragic, awful. Dude, it and is a crime that that game was on television. And I, it, as a resident of the Southeast, was forced to watch that. Yeah, no one should be endure, have to endure that. I mean, not even people in Guantanamo. No. You know, it's <laughs> absolute, it was absolute dog shit i mean there was a couple games that were absolute dog shit this weekend there were some (laughs) bad ones yeah but 
Last thing I want to mention here, and I know that we had talked about like, is there potential for, is there potential for the Giants to finish with a winning record? Looking at their schedule now, I think there is an argument to be made. Yes, because they play Tampa this week or Tampa Six. next week. What am I looking at right now? You're looking oh. at, uh, is that Mando's? No, I'm looking at the Packers right now. My apologies. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we, uh, I believe uh, Giants play the Saints this weekend. Winnable game. Very winnable um, game. Saints, Philadelphia, who has not looked good the last couple weeks, L.A., and then Philadelphia again. Like, if you mm-hmm. can get one from Philadelphia, you might be in good shape. Yeah. that's And that's, I think, the big thing right now is uh, if if they can find those three out of four wins, like, they're just – they're right there if the right things happen. Yeah. Um, again, I don't, that's not who I am. <laughs> I look at it. I go, this probably isn't a team that's, um, you know, postseason ready. And, um, and, and not that I care because I do have faith in Joe Shane, um, to make some good moves in the off season to better this team. Uh, but I, I, I also kind of, feel like i i couldn't ride that roller coaster through a postseason no <laughs> All that emotion but, but i would say gato like i think like if they're not if they're not going to be a playoff team i think what i would want to see is like is this team resilient enough to come back and at least can play mm-hmm. at least play competitive football from the Washington commanders game where DeVito took like 11 sacks, but still threw three touchdowns. They beat new England in a, in a close one where the defense came and showed up. Mm -hmm. They beat green Bay, a team that has been on a roll. They can take down new Orleans. If they catch Philadelphia sleeping in one of those games, and they could probably win against LA. Like Mm -hmm. is this team, is the core of this team not given up? And one could make the argument that they have because they could have given up after the the Jets game. They could have given up after the Vegas game. They could have given up against the like they could have just shut it down in week eight and be like, mm-hmm. fuck it, whatever. But well, they're not. You know, it's funny because I think there was a little bit of that going on about midseason, uh, right around the the Leonard Williams trade. Um when that happened, I, I kind of like took a read around the room watching those games. And I, I was just like, they're packing it in. I think a lot of people saw the performance and thought that that's what was going on was that. Yeah. They had given up on themselves. And I mean, that stretch though was brutal. Like yeah. from a performance standpoint, like San Francisco, Seattle, Miami, Buffalo, like all of it, those. It was were a gauntlet. Blowout. Too. Yeah. All of those were blowout losses too. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like that's why I said they're not a team that really should be in the postseason, but it's nice, it's nice to see them try. <laughs> yeah, but and I know that I keep saying this, but the last thing I will say about this is like having a guy like DeVito in there can potentially galvanize a team where you're putting like same thing with Josh Dobbs, too, right? Like you put a guy in who this is his shot to make an impact, so he's he's trying extra hard to make sure that everybody is studying. Like this is a classic, like fear of power situation where like 
he knows like I need to do a lot of work to get us to where we need to go. And they're winning games now. And that shit is contagious. Mm-hmm. And I think it's helpful that the team has not given up around him. And again, like they certainly had the reasons to, but at its core, this was a team that if they were going to do well, they needed the quarterback to play well for sure. And it what it didn't happen from that stretch because you went from Daniel Jones, who was playing like shit, to um, Tyrod Taylor, who was chronically hurt, to yeah. a guy who no one believed in, and now he's like a meme. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, he is. I mean, it, like that's that's the other thing is like he's brought um, uh, you know fresh energy, but he's also he very much is a good reflection of the fan base itself. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many like my cousin Vinny's. We're walking into fucking the Meadowlands uh, for that game. And you just see people out in the fucking stands and they're fucking flapping their fucking hands, you know, and they're really enjoying it and laughing. And uh, the DeVito family also seems to be its own shade of gems, you know. Um, So, like, everything about this is fun. And uh, it puts a smile on fans' faces because it's a distraction from the ultimate distraction of questions we're going to have to ask later. Like, what do we do with Daniel Jones next year? Like eventually we will go back to him. It's, you know, this is, this is a stand in place. He's the kid done do good. Right. Like that was Dable's Dable's remarks on it. You know, he, he gave him his props. Uh, he hasn't eaten a chicken cutlet sandwich made by the DeVito family yet, but apparently their tailgate spread is world-class. I saw a bunch of like <laughs> tweets from people about that. And they're like, how did they make all of this food? Like, this is so much. They, and they must not be Italian. They don't know. Well, the other <laughs> thing is too, I like, I saw that. And I said to myself, have you never been to a high school graduation party <laughs> on either Long Island or just North of New York city or New Jersey? Probably not. Like that was my entire diet the summer of 2006 was like chicken cutlets, chicken parm, chicken Frenchies, like (laughs) sausage and peppers. Like every weekend there was a fucking graduation party we had to go to. And that was the spread. Mm -hmm. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at any of it, by the way. Like, trust me, if you give me a tin tray of baked ziti, it's going to get eaten. Oh, yeah. I'm not even mad. The boy's gonna feast. Yeah, I made um, chicken cutlets for Thanksgiving. It was a, it was a hit. <laughs> that's that's actually pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, that was another thing that I had heard. Like, um, you know, the embrace of the town that uh, that the Vitos live in. They're literally sending over food. Like that man, he's he's set for life without a contract because anywhere he goes, any Italian restaurant he walks into. He's getting a free fucking pizza or fucking, you know, plate of food wherever he goes. And that's what's going on right now is people are literally dropping by the house like, thank you. Here is a whole fucking tray of, you know, chicken franchise or whatever it is, you know. And (laughs) the thing that bothers me, though, is that he was at Syracuse and at Illinois during the start of the NIL. And it will haunt me to this day that no Italian restaurant in either Syracuse or Urbana Champagne said, let's get this guy on a billboard. 
Nobody said that. <laughs> and he is the perfect one to do it to. I, I, it's 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 wild. I like I don't know. There, there's something about he's just like right now. It's just that peak personnel. I think people were just curious because he was random. You know, he was hitherto unknown for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Like the third like third on the chart. Like we shouldn't be seeing you out here. You should just be strictly practice, right? And yeah, you're gonna see this guy at like a glance on the sideline, and you're gonna say, "Who is that man?" And instead, he's out there shouldering defenders, shouldering cornerbacks for uh, first downs, and uh, loving it. Just absolutely loving it. Yeah, man. He's when it's your passing shot, guys like... on, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, when it's when it's your shot, you you don't miss and. Mm-hmm. He's he's making the most of it. So good for him. Um, Moving on to a team that looked like dog shit and is putting it together, going to a team that looked good and now looks like dog shit. Kansas City Chiefs. Are we in crisis mode yet? Um, So that game was a very interesting one. Good game. Another good game. Very competitive. Close. Um. It was interesting because I think whoever whoever came out of this game was going to get bent over the media and fucking owned. And uh, that's exactly what's happening to the Chiefs, but for a very different reason. And in some ways, I can't tell if it's helping or hurting them because there is the added distraction of the final play of the game. Right. Yeah. Or main play. I don't know if it was actually the final game. It was, it was, it was there was a knee after that. Could have been potentially the last play of the game. Yeah. It was the last meaningful play of the game. Let's yes. Way. And um, for those who live under rocks that don't um, get out on Sundays or listen to anything else that happens through the week, <laughs> um, Kadarius Tony happened to have his foot over the line of scrimmage prior to the start of the play, thus getting an offsides call that negated what a lot of people, I think a lot of people are calling, you know, that play like the coolest touchdown ever. And I'm like, I think there's been cooler ones, but um, it was a pretty damn cool one. It was impressive. Uh, Yeah. Travis Kelsey kind of hook and laddered it um, after kind of running over or running through a couple people um he he turned that into a hell of a play and Kadarius tony ended up taking it to the house he he got into the end zone it was a touchdown game chiefs right um in in a day that i think what they dropped more than 50 percent of their passes yeah i'm looking at the the numbers right now um and doesn't share drops but I, I they look like shit. Yeah, and I and I and we we you know we get a cut from the uh, the director over to the sidelines, and Patrick Mahomes has never been so fired up before. Yeah, um, it it was like someone canceled his State Farm insurance. He was so fucking angry, and they're holding him back. And at first, it looked like he was trying to talk to you know, um, a coach or something, but uh, it was it was directed at the ref, at the line judge. Uh, that was, I, I believe it was uh, Tim Sheffer's team of officiants. Yeah. His group. Uh, it And 
Now the flag came out first, right? Like what what's what's your take on this one? Dog, you're over the line. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like it's Canarius Tony, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Canarius Tony. There's a couple of components to this too, right? Like um Dan Orlovsky had a breakdown of it too. And I don't know necessarily what point he was trying to make, but there were several times in that game where Tony was actually over the line. In all of those instances, he did not check with the line judge. And in this case, the the line judge said he was so far over the line that we actually could not see the football. And there's a big stink going on right now about, well, the line judge and Patrick Mahomes had said this too. The line judge is responsible for telling us where we need to be. It's actually not the case. Like the line judge is not responsible for that. The line judge can tell you where you are um, because thus we forget the same situation happened with Washington last year with against the Giants where Terry McLaurin checked with the line judge. The line judge said he was good um, and they threw the flag on the play and they lost. So I think it's important to note that I think it's important to note that at the end of the day, Tony was over the line and was not able to get that play taken care of. And everyone is blaming the officials for it, but Tony is the one who's responsible with checking with the line judge. And he should also know too, right? If, if he's looking around and everybody's behind him, except for the center, he is probably not in the right position. And they lost that game. It's very unfortunate for them, but the rules are the rules for everybody. And I know there's been a lot of different sides. A lot of offensive players have been saying, but the line judge should be telling us where we need to be. Again, that's not how the rules go. That's a courtesy that's done. Patrick Mahomes has been somebody who has said that and went off this whole tangent about, well, you know, they're ruining the game and it's, you know, you're ruining this hall of fame career from Travis Kelsey. That sounded like complete bullshit to me. And it was, it made me think less of Patrick Mahomes because I feel like this year more than ever. And maybe it's just that he's been frustrated and upset about how this year has gone, but he has done a lot of whining this year and a lot of complaining about officiating a lot of complaining about calls that have gone against the Chiefs. But there have also been a lot of calls that have gone for the Chiefs as well. And I'm thinking of that game against the Packers where he got hit inbounds and they threw a flag on the defensive back, which was not fair to the defensive back. So I'm, I think that there is a lot to complain about the officiating that's going on with the NFL this year. But in this instance, it's not the official's fault that Tony is an airhead and didn't check with the line judges and just kind of did his own thing. I mean, it's embarrassing for both Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes to go off on the officials like that when they know in their hearts, like this is a very much Kadarius Tony problem. And so I think we also need to keep that in perspective on things. Now, for the other parts of that team, too, 
The fact that they are in a close game against the Bills who have not looked good and are going through their own shit as well. I think this team is in a bad spot right now. And who knows? They might be able to turn it around at the end of the year. They might be able to go on a winning streak. We've seen teams in the past go through these ruts. And I think the the Eagles are doing this as well right now where the team just is not playing well. And they've had a couple of tough games, but they do not look good. And they currently sit at what? Eight and five right now. They're still in the playoff hunt, but this is not the same kind of Kansas city team that we've had the last couple of years where they're just, they just struggle to score points. And Gatto, I wanted to mention this um, to you and get your take on this was Patrick Mahomes complaining about the officiating in that game or was he just really trying to find an avenue to be upset because his receivers outside of Travis Kelsey are guys that are going to be working at Blimpy in two years. Um, I, I it, it's kind of a shame because uh, he is trying everything and um, he just does not have receivers to handle the production that they need to be. They, they need, they need to be doing. And um, I, I guess like, if I would say like, it's it's him and Rashi Rice maybe sixty percent of the time. Yeah, right? he had seven catches for seventy two yards on ten targets. So like, but everybody else, man, just Clyde Edwards Alaire, who's not a receiver. Like nobody else played well. There, there's big issues for this team, and I, I think that's part of what happened here is that he was he was bubbling over on the um the fact that he he finally got something going <laughs> and the officiate the officiating took it away from him. And I think people, you know, people have been, you know, running them through the mill this week because it's a little tone deaf considering how many calls in the recent past um, have ultimately gone in their favor. And a lot of people for the last year and a half have probably said, you're the kind of the darling of the NFL right now. They've propped you up as like the dynasty, the new, the new Patriots or something. And um, that's the, that's the kind of NFL that we've lived in for, you know, the last like decade and a half at this point, um, you know, where it's just one, one juggernaut into the next. And uh, you know, this year's so different because we're looking at like half of, both conferences are still in the hunt um, for playoff positions. And uh, there's no, there's no real clear winners at the top here, especially in the AFC um, yeah. with a team that I think everyone, I mean, thought they were just going to handily take their division again. Um, not seeing how, I mean, I think everyone kind of knew the impact of losing Tyreek Hill was going to be on that team, but um, they just have struck out over and over in the draft. Um, I I still am high on Rashi Rice, but like Kadarius Tony was a total um, flub move. I, I think we knew that kind of 
seeing what he, he had done previously. To be fair, though, he was a part of a championship-winning team, and he scored a touchdown in a Super Bowl. So He, he had impact there, yeah. So Yeah, but for the rest of it, like 25 receptions this year, like 150 yards, like, nah, dude. Like, no. you're not a productive member of the team. No, he's he's not he's not doing nearly enough for them. Um, but it's not just him. Uh, he might be doing more than I, like Sky Moore. I, I heard his name called like once. Yeah, in the last like three weeks, like that guy. There is high expectations for him. He has yet to pan out. Like you said, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, just kind of a flub. I mean, Pacheco too. That nobody is performing well outside of Kelsey. Yeah, well, and um, did Pacheco go down at towards the end of that game? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, that's a big issue for them because he'll have a run here or there, which keeps things moving. But you know, they're so reliant on Pat Mahomes to make that play, and and I mean, you know, Travis Kelsey is amazing, but like the way they are using him in that offense right now, it seems like all they do is have him do like 20, 20 15 yard uh out routes you know it's 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 an outpost and and that's it and it's more to just open up some space in the middle of the field or you know pull a defender that direction and this is not something new across the nfl i feel like a lot of offensive coordinators take their star receivers and they just use them as decoys i think you had mentioned earlier when you were talking about um uh what was it uh it was it was un it was the uh sorry i am i am tanking phys, uh, physically right now i've had like 6 hours of sleep in the last 2 days you're good uh, i wanted to bring something else up though oh unrealized unrealized air yards right when you had mentioned yeah. them and uh there's a lot of teams and i sorry i'm going on a little tangent here sorry tom but bear with me um you know very few offensive coordinators right now are finding ways to feed their star wide receivers. Right. Uh, we see the only place that that's really successful is down in um, Miami, right. Where they've figured out creative ways to get Tyree kill the ball, which is what you need to be doing. If you are um, expected to get, you know, your use out of your, your top receiver, right. You know, like, Otherwise, what's the fucking point? Yeah. I wanted to bring this up, too, because I think it it bears mentioning. The Broncos are 7-6 and six right now. And they have scored five fewer points than the Chiefs. This was a team that was a complete mess for mm-hmm. all of last year. And for the start of this year, a not good team. Granted, they've given up 309 points. And the Chiefs have one of the better defenses in the league right now. But is there a world where the Broncos could win this division? I, it's feeling more of reality because, like, I did not. It feels that way. I, I did not even realize that their their numbers are that close at this point. I mean, that what does that say about the Chiefs? I mean, for until this game, I think, like, the last four games before that, um, they they didn't score in like the second half. Yeah, they're they're just they're really really abysmal right now. It's it's bad news. Um, and 
I do want to, but I do want to also give them a little reprise because I think they're getting, you know, they are getting beat up over over their reaction to that penalty. But my God, the NFL, the officiating has figured out how to ruin good games. Yeah. Or at least interfere in really good games that are having implications and altering what I think was the expected way of play um, or the way things would have went down. I witnessed it in that Giants game. What a horseshit, terrible call on that fumble. A lot of people, obviously, depends on what side of the, the betting lines you were on. Um, you know, they said, oh, he regained – he regained his footing and therefore, you know, it the ground can cause the fumble. I would say he wouldn't have done that otherwise. And to that point, it is the dumbest rule in fuck, fucking football if someone logically can give themselves up. Why would they ever want to fumble the ball, right? So it just doesn't make sense why in this instance, no. In this instance, yes. Make it across the board. If the ground can cause fumble, the ground can cause fumble. If it can't, it can't anyway and it's just madness that that's a rule that way yeah and i think sorry to bring it back to the giants game no 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 and then no i i i think there is a conversation around how poor the officiating has been and frankly i think it's been something that's happened for a couple of years now um Mm -hmm. frankly the officiating has been really really bad ever since what was the lockout year that they had for the uh for the referees 11th sounds right sounds right 15 12 i don't know it was it was a long time ago but there was a game where there were um the replacement refs in that game against the pay against the packers and they blew a call at the end of that game and ever since then that strike ended the refs the real officials came back but ever since then it just has not felt right like the calls have not been properly explained. The rules now are very, very ticky tacky. And frankly, they're subjective. There's the one now where you can't like land on a quarterback with your full weight. You have to roll. And I'm like, how did, how the fuck are you going to do that? Like yeah. it's, I understand the helmet to helmet hits and things of that nature, but when we're starting to demand that players are having to like roll their bodies in a certain way to create a tackle, there's the whole argument about the hip drop tackles and shit like that. Like, Oh, that's going to get changed. It's a physical game though. It's a physical game. Like, and frankly, I don't know how else you as a defender are able to take somebody down who you're chasing at this point. Like, how would you like them to do it? Unless there is a alternative, like, Unless there's an alternative way that the NFL is willing to teach players on how to do, you can't ban that because you're banning a a natural motion that occurs. Yeah, I, it, it's very odd. I, I think they need to kind of get aligned, maybe even with the Players Association, be like, what is the acceptable amount of risk that you guys feel is okay, right? And I think ultimately if the players can come to a quorum on – what is hey this is an acceptable hit versus this isn't you know this is bad versus this isn't i guarantee you obviously offensive players are gonna be like everything's bad if you hit me right but yeah um i i i think 
that they they need to come to that understanding because as much as I under like I appreciate the needs for safety, it's an unsafe sport. And Tom Brady made a a, a point about this not too long ago. I don't think his whole point was great but um he did say back in the day at least they used to teach you how to um prepare yourself for him and i still think they do um and and how to give yourself up and um i i feel like maybe players do need to remember that like instead of instead of taking that that brunt of that hit on you know you got to get low you got to you got to do certain things that might might mean you're not going to get that extra yard. You know, it's not a finesse game. Like as much as there's a lot of finesse that goes on at this point. Um, it's, it's not, it's not that. Yeah. There's the, the weird combination of players that like to play with flash and finesse with the absolute brute force. that it is like what it is like, there's no other way for you to be taken down other than you to be violently hit by somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I heard that same thing that Tom Brady said too, and I think he also needs to be mindful too that he is a reason why you can't do a lot of the things that he is now complaining that yeah. has been taken out of the game. Like, dog, you're the reason why you can't hit anybody but below the knee now because mm-hmm. you got hurt and we can't have that. You're the reason why helmet-to-helmet hits can't be done anymore. You're one of the reasons. Yeah. And ultimately, like, you're one of the reasons why the game has moved so far towards supporting offensive players versus defensive players. And you won championships during this time period and you retired mm-hmm. last year. It's not like you're saying this 15 years ago. It's not like you're fucking yeah. Bart star. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think there needs to be a conversation at the league level with the players union with the NFL saying like, this is a inherently violent game. As you said, there is a level of risk that you're going to have to assume once you step out on the field. Cause at the end of the day, we can't be reviewing every fucking play. We can't be throwing guys out of games because a, like a 51% sure call. We can't be having to like, we can't move this game further in this direction because you're going to have to fundamentally change the game. And if that's the, yeah. the underlying outcome of that's going to have to happen, I'd rather you just do that than like morphing it into this thing where only one side of the ball is able to respond to something. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you have fucking Trent Williams, like punching people in the face every game. Yeah. And it's like, Oh yeah, don't do that anymore. Like, I think offensive players need to be held to the same account as defensive players when it comes to shitty behavior. Yeah. You well, have replay. You can like, <laughs> we watch these things happen and to say like, Oh, the ref didn't see it. Like ref didn't fucking see that fumble either. And you went back and went under the hood when all you needed to see was like somebody from New York city say, Hey, that was not a fumble. Like keep the yeah. game moving. Well, and and this goes and that that furthers to the point of, you know, we're sitting here and we're watching this. And now because things have kind of skewed it so far in one direction or the other on certain things that we start to feel like, hey, this is this is a little bit rigged. 
right? There's like a lot of people are questioning the sanctity of the game itself. And if it's not being changed purposefully for entertainment or betting purposes, and I, it doesn't help them that they've kind of really married into, um, you know, the betting world at this point. Oh boy. Yeah. That's a whole other thing that we need but, to get into later on. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here at all, but what happens is you create this kind of visual effect <laughs> that in, invokes a narrative um, because your officiating can't get its shit together. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's just that it's just, they can't get their shit together. It's nothing more than that. And they got a, and they do a good job on a lot of things and they didn't get it wrong with the Kadarius Tony, uh, penalty they didn't get it wrong with the saquon fumble but it still feels kind of wrong <laughs> because they are the ultimate change in the outcomes of those games right or almost i, I will almost. say though i think it's one thing if like sports books and stuff are letting you gamble on games i think it's a completely other thing when that actual league gets into a relationship with the gambling mm -hmm. houses or the sports books themselves. And and there's tight laws between these things. So what was that instance with Drew Brees um, where they had to nullify uh, – they, they had to cancel out all those bets? Yep. Because, because he was both a um, endorsement for – one of the sports books, as well as helping as a coach on what team was that? What college team was that? Purdue. Purdue. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, like it's a really, really weird thing. And I think you were, you were getting to this point. Like it doesn't matter whether there's actually like collusion between the two parties, but it's the implication of it. It's the Dennis mentality. It's the implication. And <laughs> it whether it's happening or not, people are always going to say, like, this game is rigged because the NFL has something to gain or the gambling parties have something to gain, too. Mm -hmm. And they've now created this dynamic where you have part-time officials running this game that there are billions of dollars on the line every weekend, every mm -hmm. Thursday through Monday, there is so much money passing through the NFL at this point. I'm wondering though, is there going to be an instance where we move away from part-time officials and move to full-time officials similar to baseball where they are trained, they are, they have to go through a certification every year, and this is their full-time job. They're not flying out from their fucking Allstate Insurance like branch <laughs> in Des Moines to work the Jacksonville Jaguars game. Like, no, these are actual professionals that are doing this from nine to five, Monday through Sunday. And uh, yeah, and I mean they are they are well compensated for doing this job. Uh, so, must be nice <laughs> it's it's yeah it really <laughs> but look I, you know i i don't want to pick on the refs too much because ultimately 
I think they're just doing what they're being told to do anyhow, and they're thinking they're getting it right when they're not. They might, they might be, they they might just be getting a little too big for themselves and forgetting that it's not about it's not about that because there's a hold on every play. You know what I mean? There's there's some for, there's some penalty that's going missed. Um, it's knowing when when to say, oh, we got that we got that wrong and we're going to fuck up the flow of a game. And, and you got to let these guys play it out and they do let them play it out. But unfortunately it comes like the last two games of the year, three games of the year. And uh, that's when people most now expect the previous norm to exist, right? That if you're going to throw penalties all the time, throw penalties all the time. If you're not, don't. And I think people would rather prefer less just don't let them be blatant. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think you were you said what I wanted to say too, so that's rude of you. But <laughs> it's either make them full time officials and make the officiating more consistent, or call fewer of them. Like yeah. let them play. Like yeah. the you know the fifty fifty calls and stuff like that. Like swallow the whistle, put the flag in your pocket. Have a little humility to say, oh, we got that one wrong, instead of like kind of stretching what a penalty is to make make it look like you got it right. Yeah, and if it passes the eye test, and I think this is another example of that as well, like when Calvin Johnson and Des Bryant had their catches in those games that they were effectively called off because they didn't meet the rule of law or the letter of the law of what a catch is, according to the NFL – but every person with eyeballs and an understanding of how football works, they're like, that's a catch. Mm-hmm. And we still don't have a defined definition of what a catch is. Yeah. So, I mean, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's a fucking catch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, even even that Giants game, there was a review. They said it wasn't a catch. There was a brief moment where it looked like it was a Heath had caught the touchdown in the end zone. And he ended up dropping it, um, you know, and, and they like it could have went 50 50 on that one. And they chose to say it wasn't. But I could have also seen it going the other way. And I think a yeah. lot of Packers fans probably did see it that way. Ultimately, they got touched at the end. Anyhow, um, you know, it, it you know, coming from uh, the mindset of like innovation in games, uh, I, I kind of sit there and I think, you know, we have a challenge flag. We have a penalty flag. Maybe we need a booth review flag that the officials throw. Right. And so they throw the flag saying there was something we need to check. That's all they have to say. They go check it. They check it with upstairs. They get the call, come back. Maybe that's the route. Right. I think we go, we rely so much on replay anyhow in football that maybe we need to streamline that ability for refs to say, we don't have the call right yet, but we're going to go try to make the call right. Instead of making the other thing that I think is very frustrating and I'm kind of backpedaling here with it, but the other thing that's very frustrating is they'll make a call and then they have to almost like a court of law, prove its innocence or prove its guiltiness, you know? Um, and uh, instead of having to come from that standpoint, just evaluate a play or evaluate something that happened, 
You know, I mean, they can call like an official's timeout, and it's thirty seconds, and they call up to the booth. They don't even need to throw a flag. They just like yeah. officials timeout. They call up to the booth. They have somebody in New York like, hey, I need you to watch like two different angles of this. Like, mm-hmm. give us your honest opinion. Catch, no catch. Foul, no yep. foul. What have you? And the and the the booth just sends it down and be like, okay, sorry, we got that wrong. Turn it around. And I. I don't see that ever happening because I think it would make too much sense because <laughs> yeah. for for what it's worth. And I think the NFL, frankly, is too set in some of their ways to make this work. I don't want to get too much into this because it's a little bit different, but like the in baseball, they're they're experimenting with the strike zone that's like automated. Mm-hmm. at least they're looking at that right mm-hmm. at least they're experimenting with it and mm-hmm. they're trying to get the officiating done properly but in the nfl again like they're not using any kind of analytics they're not using any kind of like technology to get them to where they need to go they're just like somebody with a fucking ipad is like okay i pulled up the stream here you go yeah yeah it's it uh i mean it, it is for sure it's apples and oranges in a lot of ways but you're right like how are you trying to improve your accuracy of calls right i want to hear that discussion that the nfl's having about how we can improve upon this and how we can fix maybe some of that and and that's that's the thing that they're missing or at least they're not sharing enough with the fans um being forward enough with it you know we see it in the other sports but like you know we need to i think Considering how big football is, I mean, viewership is at an all-time high, yet so is um, the disgruntledness towards officiating. <laughs> there's a lot of like... It's not a good news. trend. Yeah, there's a lot of news around it also, too, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot of like conversation more than there should be. And I, I think at the yeah. end of the day, like win or lose... Fans want to know that they walked out of a stadium and they want uh, their team to get a fair shake. Yeah. If the team made mistakes or the team just had an off game, that's on the team. They can but that. for games to be taken out of the player's hands because of an official making like a, a judgment call or a subjective call. I don't think it's fair. Now, that being said, the call against Kadarius Tony was neither subjective or a judgment call. <laughs> the motherfucker was over the line multiple times in that game, and he did not check with the line judge, and he got a flag for it. He yep. deserved it. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid cried about it and looked bad doing it. I don't want that to get lost yeah. in our complaints about the officials. Yeah, it, 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 I think it just opened up the conversation a bit. Um, but in this instance, yeah, it was – it was a very bad look for them. I mean, emotions run high, especially when I think they see this moment as being the moment that might have put the nail in the coffin for their season um, and and being pissed about it. Because there's also a little bit of like, hey, if we can diffuse some of that blame, people are going to take like people have had a very positive view of a very struggling chiefs team for a very long time now yeah it's been about five weeks of them absolutely struggling and um you know not looking like the typical chiefs team 
that we're used to seeing. And uh, I think it's it's they kind of got lucky again <laughs> in one way because hey, we got um, you know we got a nice penalty to say this is this is what this is why you can't trust. You kind of got off the hook, record, right? right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's just, it was wild. I, it was a good game. It was a very, very good game. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, you know, it it came to that. I guess. Uh. The, the but again, I think we circle back to this, and I think this goes into another trend we need to talk about, Tom, and that is how. The very beginning of this year, we saw teams refusing to give their star running backs what 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 running backs we were considering. Un, it was an unfair look, I guess. Uh, they weren't being fairly compensated. They were taking lower and lower um, contracts, I guess, or smaller smaller contracts i'd say rather and we were seeing at the same time this flourishing of quarterback contracts and if you were to like review this as a businessman at this moment right would you say that those investments panned out as they should or would it have made more sense to maybe lock down some of these running backs and paid a little bit more attention to them. So, are we are we talking about paying running backs versus what other position? Remind me again. Uh, quarterbacks versus running backs right now. So, I think you need. I mean, it's that's that's a hard question to answer because the league is so quarterback based at this point. But I think the quality of quarterbacks is still pretty bad. And, okay. you know, I think for all of the advancements that have been made in scouting and interviewing and just how and like awareness of college quarterbacks out there, the development of quarterbacks is still pretty terrible. And. I think people have invested heavily in guys that are probably not very good, but mm-hmm. they are the best of the not very good. And they don't want to invest any money in other positions like running back, which they say like, well, has a pretty lean shelf life, but having an elite running back solves a lot of problems for your team. And I think I know where you're going with this too, because <laughs> there's been a lot of teams that have not been playing very well lately. And we had, we've talked about this in the past too, that offensive line play has been pretty shoddy to say the best, mm-hmm. to say the least this year. You could also say the best. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's been pretty bad overall. Like guys are taking like full on, like no protection sacks, um, calls have been really bad this is an opportunity where you put like a running back in and you just tell the offensive line to push Mm -hmm. and i think we've swung the pendulum really hard to the passing first mentality where you're now exposing a lot of these mediocre to subpar quarterbacks to like 
heavy game planning and like, okay, you're going to throw the ball 45 times a game and we're going to give this running back 10 carries. But that running back is the only one that's actually like moving the ball around. And I don't disagree with you. Like I liked the NFL when it was, you know, running backs like, like Corey Dillon or Clinton Portis, even Tiki Barber. (laughs) Yeah. Like there was enough of like a mixture. Yeah. And you had guys breaking big runs too. Like you had Mm -hmm. exciting plays. It wasn't like it was like boring all the time. I always loved the chargers game when AD was on the field, you know? Yeah. You could, he could in his prime. I mean, he was ready to break one free at any given moment, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, like, LaDainian Tomlinson, like, Sean Alexander, like, even, like, Arian Foster, like, (laughs) sorry. I mean, he was, he was available all day, um, just to be fair. But, like, that kind of offense was fun to watch because there was enough flexibility in those games where, you know, you had multiple, you had, like, two like 10 15 running backs running for a thousand yards or you had guys that were invested and involved in games now it's Mm -hmm. like okay will levis go through the ball like 45 times or and and that's and that's exactly it too it's it's we've come now where we see half of because we've expect so much out of a quarterback they're getting injured at a phenomenal rate and now you're stuck with a running game because of it. Yeah. It's it's almost madness because, you know, had you – if you look at teams that execute the run well, guess who's still still going? Brock Purdy, right? Guess who's still yep. out there? Jalen Hurts. Why? Because they have decent established run games. You know, I mean, it, it – it's it seems to be the case that the gamble on the superhero quarterback has is not panning out and i think that's why so many teams are in the mix of things right now because the respect for the run game has completely gone away right jared goff's still out there because they still have a run game david montgomery right like these are when you have a balanced offense you give your guys longevity as well as opportunity because unpredictability too right yeah. like well and and i get it they in their minds they're like well obviously if you know they're in a 22 personnel they're probably going to run the ball right you know it's but like sure but you can still come out of that look after doing it a few times and then maybe try to th- you know, throw the ball, do an RPO, something like that. You have like the need to establish the run seems to have been this, you know, bygone kind of thing that, that has gone the long way. But this year you, teams have needed to rely on it for any offensive productivity to begin with. Yeah. So, Cause how many, how many starting quarterbacks have gotten hurt this year alone? Exactly. Like, and that's because of this pass more run less mentality. Yeah. I also, I I think it's, I want to be mindful here too, because I think this is also a a benefit for some quarterbacks that are starting out, but this move to like a solely based like shotgun offense has been really detrimental for everybody because 
the looks you're getting out of there if you're trying to run the ball out of shotgun is basically like a delayed run, like a drift to the left or to the right. My least favorite running call now is out of the shotgun quarterback hands off to the running back, like quarterback hands the ball off to the running back to his left and the running back has to run all the way to the right tackle and the outside. It's such a wasted fucking call every time it's slow. It's clunky. There's no, there's just like no build up speed for the running back. He can't take that initial. Yeah. There's no momentum. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, and you're running laterally, which is, it takes forever. Yeah. You're going a lot further, but I see it all the time. And even the commanders like, Eric Bieniemy, I I like what he's done with Sam Howell, but his like philosophy of like we are going to pass heavy all of the time has really been unhelpful at times yeah. when they really need to run the ball. Like you need mm-hmm. to establish some kind of rhythm and consistency, and running the ball does that. It also is like a mental boost for the offensive line too because that's when they can actually be physical mm-hmm. and they can use their physicality and their weight to move somebody off the ball. If you are a run heavy team, like every team in the NFL now either runs like a format of like the five, two, five or the five, two, four or the three, three, five, right? Very lean defensive players. They're, they're built to be in space. Now, if mm-hmm. you're a team, that is committed to running the ball, you could fucking eat off of them. Yeah. Especially, I mean, you know, some of these teams, I, I think they look good statistically against the run, like defenses, but that's because they're just getting less looks against them. Yeah. If you throw more runs at them, let's see what happens, you know, by the third, by the third quarter. Let's see if they're a little tired, right? Because they're not going to be used to being on their heels all the time. On the flip side, now your offensive linemen aren't as tired of being on their heels all the time. And there's something nerve-wracking about pass responsibilities or pass protection responsibilities um, that definitely through the game are going to eat at the offensive linemen, especially if they're having a bad game. The last thing, the last thing they want, they have a tough matchup and they gotta they gotta pass protect more and more and more because you know it's not working you gotta get some runs in there there's a lot more to think about too right like there's so much more to consider when like because you need to look to see where the blitzer is where the middle linebacker is like there's more to think about in the passing play versus like you know body on body running Mm -hmm. play like power eye like all right you're gonna this person in front of you you're going to hit if they go away it's the guy in the next level yeah, and and I mean it's it's a very different way of blocking because you're you're blocking for space as in in the change or in comparison to blocking for time. Yeah. And blocking for time is tiring and hard. Blocking for space can be very manageable especially depending on a confused defense. And considering the undersize that we're going to be getting out of college for uh, defensive lineman in the future, I think that's a good move. Yeah, I think going back and establishing that run and thinking about the run for the next couple of seasons, whatever team actually goes out and listens to us say this shit now, 
will be the benefactors of this later, at least a couple extra wins in in their hats. Yeah, I mean you're getting you're getting defensive backs that are six foot, 168, 170 pounds that are coming to college now. Yeah, because they gotta also play linebacker, right? They got yeah. they gotta be able to cover at times now, you know, and they're super athletes and they're amazing athletes. But and they're also light as hell and compared to your offensive lineman, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, how do you like that? We just solved all of the problems in the NFL. Yep. Congrats Sign us, us up. We'll we'll be your uh, assistant coordinators. We'll at least know. keep the jokes running. Um and you got anything else you want us to move on to uh, assholes and picks? I think, uh, yeah, man. Um, uh, let's let's do it, Tom. Okay, start us up. Oh man, well, at this point, there's just so many <laughs> assholes out Cracking there. Cracking them fingers, <laughs> and you know, I really don't have any at the moment that that come out to mind, but. Should have done this beforehand. Why don't you go ahead before me? I need to think about some. Oh, I got one for you. You got this a good is, one? This actually like annoys the shit out of me. So this weekend, the Houston or the the Tennessee Titans are going to be wearing their old jerseys from when they were the Houston Oilers. And they're going to be playing the Houston Texans. And I don't know where the Tennessee Titans got the idea that they can wear these jerseys because if you loved those jerseys so much and you loved Houston so much, why did you leave? And it feels very weird that the NFL is like, yeah, you can wear the Houston Oilers jerseys, even though we, as soon as you left, we went out and scheduled an expansion team to go to Houston and has been not a great, but a decent expansion team for the league. It mm-hmm. feels so weird and confusing. And I know that teams love to throw out these retro jerseys, but do you know anybody who's actually a Titans fan? I mean, no, but I don't know many people in Nashville. So <laughs> I don't either. It just <laughs> seems so weird. And I'm not necessarily calling the Tennessee Titans assholes, but like, my biggest question is like, why? Why are you wearing the Houston Orleans or Houston Oilers jerseys when you made mm. it clear that you did not want to be that team anymore? Yeah, that that's that's a weird choice. I I think they're just trying to jump on that nostalgia bandwagon, you know. And somebody grew up cheering for that team and now du- cheers for that team, and <laughs> so they realize, oh, we can. Those same jerseys that we used to sell back in the day for thirty bucks, we can now charge you know one hundred seventy four, and uh, you'll you might buy it because it shows that you were a fan all the way back then, right? And that might be part of the psychology. There's there's a lot to be said, I think, about the new ways in which different departments in the NFL try to find ways of engagement it's and so fashion strange. fashion is probably one of them right and, and it's they so probably much- have people that do that and they're like we need to create an image because we need to make it look cool and that's why now you're seeing like all the uh all the different um fits right that 
guys are wearing to events and stuff. And like fashion is the first thing they talk about and they try to get a cameraman in the tunnel as like the players are coming in. Right. Because uh, they need to stimulate that fashion forward part of what they're hoping will be potential base. It's so weird to me because like the NFL's like the NFL's like philosophy for like making fashionable fan clothes is like, it's just like a boomer yelling Riz at me the whole time. <laughs> and it's just like, I would not fucking wear this. Like Riz, I Riz. will buy, I will buy a hat that, or a shirt or a hoodie that has my team's logo on it, but I'm not walking out of the house looking like fucking that. Like that's just not how it's going to happen here. Dog. There is just, there is a lot of like, I'll look around at like some of these hoodies and stuff. And I'm like, I just want like a basic one. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, is there one that nice just has like New logo. York Giants on it? Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's just a regular, like nice blue hoodie. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Like, I, I actually, I have to say, I did see when I was in Vegas, I stopped at the NFL shop and uh, they did have a really, really cool commander's hat. It was almost cool enough that I was about to buy it for you. That was how really? cool it was. Yeah. It was, uh, they used like a different colorway and it actually looked really fucking sharp. It was a, it was like a maroon instead of like, or darker maroon and black. And it, it looked really cool together. I'm the black right now. Yeah, it was you know the the one the hat with the like the circle logo in the middle that the coaches yeah. were wearing. It was that the sideline cap. Oh, and, uh, okay. Yeah. I will say, Commandos like apparel is pretty ass. So anything that looks semi good might be it, good. It's kind of unfortunate. It's like all the older teams, you know, they don't have good. Like merch, you know, like it. it you mean all the like... teams that um had to change their name? <laughs> yeah, well, that and that's just... the other thing. You're starting from scratch, and they failed <laughs> miserably at um the rebrand. Like I'm supportive of the name change, but just like it's so Ron Rivera to be the Commanders. It's such an ass name. Just go back to football team. That was actually like a unique team. name. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, there was a. St- there was a, uh, not study, but, you know, like, um, a, they they asked people about it to uh, respond. And, you know, I think people were 70% favorable on Washington uh, football team. And they're like 40 or 30% favorable of commanders. Yeah. <laughs> I think people were fine with the name change sans the, like, the lunatics out there that just want to be cringy. But Commanders was not what to land on. Like, if you couldn't think of a name, just keep football team. Yeah. Until you found, until you figured one out. Yeah. Commanders just, it just doesn't, it doesn't flow right. It doesn't pass that. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. No. They're still, they're still football team to me in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's where they landed in Tom's head. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm good with it. What about you? Who's your asshole? Uh, that, that is actually a good one. Um, and I just had it too. <laughs> oh, uh, dude, fucking uh, uh, Draymond. Oh yeah, Draymond Green. What a Draymond Green weirdo. Dude. 
Um, did you see the the replay of that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And he said he didn't mean to do that. How do you not mean to do that? Do you always turn around swinging your arms violently? What? Don't even like don't don't insult our intelligence as a collective, Draymond. What I don't know we... how he hasn't been suspended for like an extended period of time. If John Morant could be John Wick for like a half a season, but Draymond at least he was cool doing it. Yeah, but Draymond <laughs> just keeps punching people in the junk and punching people in the face in game and choking people out. Like he's gonna it, keep doing it. Yeah, no, because no one's stopping him. And, and I guess at, the NBA is then also partially my fucking asshole for this because they're not doing enough to stop him and his behavior. And uh, it's 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 like absurd. You obviously know that this is a player that does this. It shouldn't even be a question. If it looks, if it quacks like a duck, you need to eject him the minute he does this from now on. Yeah, I agree. Like it's because you can't sit there with a straight face and be like, nobody else is allowed to do this, but Draymond can just like get attacked can and commit thrown out. assault, <laughs> like, literally commit assault. Honestly, the one that happened last night was not even the most egregious one. No. When he choked out Carl Anthony towns, I was like, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. We're like, you got to go, man. Who did he kick in the dick? Who was that? There's a long list of people, actually. <laughs> like he, the guy was on the floor and he like kicks. I was like, "What the fuck, dude!" Like, especially to, like that's where your mind is in the middle of the game, right? Is a kind of weird. It's very weird. I like. I hope I'm never in an elevator with this guy. Also, I'm pretty sure they don't make elevators that tall, so it's cool. Yeah, I'm looking up right now who he kicked. <laughs> There's got to be a list out there of. All of the assaults <laughs> that Jamin Green has had on a it was uh Demontis Sabonis that he kicked in the chest. Oh, in the chest, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and the guy was yeah. on the fucking ground too. <sighs> he also in 2016 he kicked uh Steve Adams in the junk too. Yeah, that's the one I remember. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's unreal. He is like, such a dick. Yeah, it's it's the NBA has a problem here and they need to fix it. It's it's very much uncool. The only thing that's like redeemable about Draymond Green is how unimportant he is to that team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's his thing though, right? Like I guess he's he's like an enforcer for the uh for the team. I don't know. I mean, I guess, but like dude, you also might need to like contribute as well too. Maybe they're just afraid of him. Like no one can tell him like anything in that organization because they're afraid he's gonna beat them up. I don't know, man, but I I think the league has to do something. Like he he leads the league in technical fouls. He leads the he's got like 25 ejections in his career, which is like an insane number. Yeah. Um he needs to be on a shorter leash than he's on at this moment you know what i mean i mean i would just like if what they should have done is be like nah man we're gonna suspend you for the year like you're you're done yeah that's that's probably you're right like that's what they gotta do man like but i will say though if they were to do that it, it would probably end his career because this is his walk year with um golden state i wonder I, I wonder if that's why they're just tolerating it right because they it's the bad precedent to set if you're like, yeah, you know, he's such a likable guy that we're going to like beat the shit out of people. 
Yeah, I mean, but the NBA is also kind of thirsty for, like, controver- controversial shit. You know, like, it they have to compete this time of year with the NFL. So, yeah, that like, whole in we're talking about him. was that reason, too. Yeah, exactly. And that that did good things for them, but I don't think it got them nearly, like, we were still talking about, like, the worst game of football more than we were talking about the finals of the in-season tournament. Yeah, it was on at a restaurant that I was at, and I would glance over every now and again, and I was not. It didn't matter to me. Yeah, because, like, it's still not the championship. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Change your format completely. I I like the idea. I love, love like, playoff basketball like that. Like, March Madness is awesome. One-and-done type situations. Um, But... Yeah, it just it doesn't have the wow. It didn't have the wow factor. It just felt too gimmicky. Yeah, I would agree. All right, real quick, who is your pick of the week? Uh, I'm gonna have to say I'm looking forward to checking out uh, "Leave the World Behind." Ooh, the Netflix movie there. Um, oh yeah, I haven't watched it yet, and I'm looking forward to it. I haven't really had a second or any any downtime, so. Uh, I, I'm going to have some downtime coming up and uh, the cast is out of this world. Um, it's a lot of, a lot of big names. You got Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, um, Kevin Bacon, uh, other people. Oh, uh, oh, I always mess up his name. Is it Marishala? I think Ali. so. Yeah. I, I also <laughs> struggle with his name. I'm, I'm interested hey, it in that Long movie. Island. <laughs> yeah, it happens to the Hamptons. Like, I'm curious about that movie too. I saw the preview for it a couple of months ago. Um, a, a good disaster movie or a good like thriller, suspense movie like that is really hard to come by. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that um, Netflix can nail it because that cast is too good for it to suck. But yeah, we all know Netflix writing is also pretty shit too. Hey. So, don't don't talk about AI like that. Chat GBT. All right. <laughs> You're right. What was I thinking? <laughs> is that out now? I think it is. I believe it is out now. Yes. Okay. Um, I was watching uh I was watching Taken today during my lunch break. Still a great movie. The original? Yeah. Nice. Oh, I didn't even realize Sam Ishmael was the uh is the director of uh this new movie. So where do we know him from? Uh, he was also Mr. Robot. Oh, yeah. So he's done a lot of other other shit too, I believe. I'm not interesting. 100. So it's probably there might be like a psychological component to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I you know that's. I, I had all day to think about this and I really put too much thought into it probably, but <laughs> and, nothing wrong with that. If it's good, we'll see it. If it's not, you're fired. <laughs> it's Don't generally the way things go. <laughs> um, what about you, Tom? My uh, pick of the week is actually going to be, um, I really want to give some credit to a couple of, games and studios 
gaming studios that have put in a lot of effort to improve their games. A couple of them, Battlefield 1942 or Battlefield 2042 by EA and um, the folks at Dice. Cyberpunk is another one, and and Halo Infinite. These are three triple a title games that came out that were very very broken when they came out very very broken expensive to buy nothing worked there was no content and the classic move recently has been if bad games come out those companies will just say fuck it we'll scrap it and then just build another one like hey here it is but these three developing studios invested the time, the energy and the understanding from the fans to improve the experience. The one I'm speaking of right now is halo infinite. When I downloaded it a couple of years ago and played it, it was pretty broken. It was pretty buggy. Um, There was not a lot of content in there and three, four, three industries could have just said, screw it. Like here's another, we're chalk this one up as a loss, but recently, Halo Infinite came out with a new, like, major update. They're focusing a lot more on the multiplayer and improving that. And a lot of these games are, like, going through a second life where so many of these games as a service really, really sucked and people forgot about them. These games are starting to come back. Like, I I re-downloaded Halo Infinite and I'm having a fucking awesome time playing it. It's a lot of fun. I'm I'm getting back into like Halo as a game in general. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of I'm I am happy that there are developers out there that are listening to the fans when the fans are saying like these things need to be fixed if you want mm-hmm. us to like, keep playing them, and they're investing time and energy back in and taking these games that were broken upon release, not finished, and actually finishing them. Mm-hmm. A game. Like the division two, which came out like five years ago, which was broken and buggy and all fucked up and everyone stopped playing it. I just saw on Twitter the other day that they have a three year roadmap of more content. And again, like this game has been out since like 2019. It's been out for a while and they're still invested and involved in putting more into it. And they might be serving like a core group of fans or people who play the games, but at least they're still involved in those two. So get out there. If you have an Xbox or a PlayStation, well, if you don't, if you're, if you have a PlayStation, you're kind of fucked, but if you have an Xbox or PC, go download halo infinite, play it again. You can download the master chief collection as well. Bring you all the way back to like the 2001 combat evolved. Halo Infinite is the one. That's my pick of the week. Nice. Yeah, man. I uh the more and more I try to even dabble with like uh Call of Duty, I just I lose my mind. It's That's... gotten worse and buggier and I see your point of improving things instead of just like shamelessly like you know, scrapping them and going in totally different direction and ruining the game experience for people i mean and i'll tell you what gato that's probably the biggest culprit in all of this because their release cycle is once they release a new game every year yeah 
it's not enough time to build a game and they'll a quality have to, one or yeah, enjoyable one. They'll yeah. have to reuse assets. They'll have to like not QA any of it. And you end up just getting a game that what you paid for is 70 yeah. bucks buggy as hell doesn't mm-hmm. work. And ultimately like it's, not even close to the game that we played like modern warfare one or modern warfare two when we were in college where that was just a polished awesome game so i i've seen a lot more development studios taking this route of like okay we release something that's not where it needs to be instead of just like throwing our hands up in the air we're gonna actually dig in and fix it and you can see like the reviews on steam or something like that. They're mostly negative, And then these games are trending back up to like mostly positive or very positive. Recent reviews are all good. So the division two is like 25 bucks. You can buy it now. You can get a bunch of the uh, downloadable content as well. And the, the very positive reviews are rolling in for a, t- for a game like that. And halo infinites on the upswing too. on the up and up. Awesome, yep. man. All right. Well, we're done. That's it, folks. <laughs> we're calling we're shut, this one. We're shutting the studio down now. But um, uh, hey, thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, if you enjoyed listening to us rant and rave about everything that's going wrong in the NFL and how it can be fixed, Fucking hit that like button. Tell your friends. Um, Smash the like button, God. And and if we're completely fucking wrong, tell us too. We want to hear your point of views. We would love that shit. Um, Tom, did I do it right? You did a fantastic job. Did no I do doubt. enough? Yeah. Yeah, you did great. Um, I don't know if we're going to be able to record next week. It's a little bit of a wonky time, but we might be able to put something out. But again, as Gatto said... Let us know if you want us to talk about anything and tell your friends if they don't like it, financially shame them because your friends are fucking losers. And I, 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 that's a very, that's a good point. And if you didn't like it, pretend you liked it, recommend it to people you fucking hate. Yeah. That, that's the move. Yeah. That's the move. If, if you really want to voice is nails is fucking nails on a chalkboard to you. Make your worst enemies hear it. Yeah. Tell them it's the only thing they should listen to on a six and a half hour flight. And on repeat. Yeah. Just watch them melt down in the middle seat. (laughs) All right, folks. We're out of here. We'll see you. Bye. Okay. Let's get me a rhythm. Then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs>